Aloha. Welcome to the podcast for the 41st annual Hawaii International Film Festival presented by Hale Kalani. My name is Anderson Lay and I'm the artistic director for the festival. My guest is Justin Chong, the director of Pili Kamo'o, but you know, he's also alumnus of the festival with uh, uh, several films, including uh, Down the Sidewalk in Waikiki, which we, we screened uh, maybe three years ago. Yeah, 2019. 2019. Yep. Um, we'd like to extend our thanks to the Nichols Family Film Fund and Film Hawaii for sponsoring this film as part of the Made in Hawaii Shorts Film Showcase, but also the Pacific Islanders Communication, because it's also cross-listed with the um, Pacific Shorts as well. And also Nia Taro. This is a yes. Nia Taro production, so we yes, can talk about correct. that as well, right? That's so, correct. So, Justin, um, yeah, tell me about your film. Uh, right on. Well, mahalo, Anderson, for having me. It's awesome to be back at HIF, and just want to say mahalo to you guys for everything that you guys have done to make it, you know, at least a hybrid in-person mm-hmm. event. It's mm-hmm. been so nice to, like, be able to watch movies in person again and connect with people, you know, randomly. But, um, yeah, so Pili Kamo'o is a short documentary that, um, follows the Fukumitsu Ohana from Hakipu'u Oahu um, in their sort of their fight to defend their ancestral burials um, from impediment from Kualoa Ranch as, as they kind of expand their reach in the area. Um, and the project itself is it's a short documentary, but it's part of a, lar- a larger feature film that is sort of an anthology film. Um, uh organization called Nia Taro reached out to myself and about seven other native filmmakers from around the world um, with this idea called the Reciprocity Project, which was basically a film project that wanted to explore the theme of reciprocity within different indigenous cultures and communities. Because I guess if you look at our world today, you know, where uh, Western society has this sort of... Um, worldview and perspective of exponential growth and and this sort of you know individualistic mentality and take 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 whereas if you look at uh, the foundation of so many of our indigenous cultures around the world it's based on this principle of reciprocity that there is relationship between everything right between man and man between man and the land between objects between your food between um, everything is an energetic exchange of reciprocity and and that reciprocity might not necessarily be one-to-one, but that there is always this sort of circular um, motion in, in energy. And so the project was really to get us to explore that theme within our own communities. And, and so for me, um, when I was approached with that project, I was sort of already documenting um, uh, the Fukumitsu Ohana and the things that had been going on with their... Um, struggle to defend their ancestral burials and thought that you know this could be a really cool opportunity to kind of bring their story to a wider audience and really explore the idea of reciprocity and looking at the way that native hawaiians view ivi kupuna or our ancestral remains and that our kuleana to take care of those graves and those bones um is an extension of us caring for our family. And in that same sense, the reciprocity is that um, those bones give this land and those places mana and knowledge that we can, in our generations, tap into when we call upon them for guidance, for wisdom, and those kinds of things. And So yeah. you, know, you talk about those protests against uh, Kuala Ranch. When mm-hmm. did it happen? So that was in 
June of 2020. Right. Yeah, so initially, um, you know, Quillow Ranch had bought property right next to um, the land that, the Kuleana lands that the Fukumitsu family um, lives on and maintains. And um, they're Kalo farmers. They've been Kalo farmers for generations, time immemorial there. And um, the land that Kualoa Ranch had purchased right next to them, you know, their family burials is on that land. Right. And so they had asked um, Kualoa Ranch and John Morgan to please, you know, consult yeah. them before doing any digging on the land or any kind of construction or any of that. And, you know, I guess they might, they must not have seen the point in having to consult with the family. And so they right. went ahead and, yeah, did what they were going <laughs> to do. And so, you know, when the family got wind of that, they had no choice but to kind of make a stand and, and put themselves in the middle of the road to try and block construction workers from coming and doing any more work. Right. Um, and at the time, it was kind of like an immediate response. And so it was just Koleo Fukumitsu who actually played George Helm in, right. our, in our short film, Hawaiian Soul, which yeah, yeah, yeah. screened last year at HIF, um, and, and his neighbor. And, you know, they were kind of, they were arrested and construction workers went through and business as usual happened. And so after they were arrested, they sort of posted that to social media and a lot of us in the community got wind of it. And um, the next morning there was a little over a hundred people standing in that same road. And, you know, the, the solidarity and the community showing up really, I think was a voice uh, in opposition to the ranch saying that like, you know, there's a lot of people that care about this and, you know, take the time to listen and, and let's see what we can do and so they held off construction for a couple of weeks to have conversations but you know I know it's still an ongoing issue for them even a year over a year later yeah this all you know happened following Mauna Kea you know and the Kiai movement and whatnot and so I mean what do you think I mean just for the way the media covered it you know and also the fact that it was at the height of the pandemic what do you think the was it a balanced uh, coverage? You think, or was it? You uh, know, I think I think this particular story with with in Hakipu'u and with Kualoa Ranch, there really wasn't much media coverage on right. it at all, um, if any. You know, and a lot of the problem is systemic in that a lot of what Kolea and his family have been trying to do is to work through the state historic preservation division to get those burials registered and protected and all of that. But, you know, I think what we're seeing is like ever since Mauna Kea, so much of our community is waking up to these callings that that are coming up um, from our ancestors, from our Aina, um, to stand in protection of these things. And, um, you know, it's, it's kind of the Fukumitsu Ohana and their fight to protect their Iwi is just one example of many, I think, that's happening yeah. at this time. And... And, you know, the state's been kind of slow in doing anything about it. Um, and, you know, even the Department of Health got involved when they broke a, a cesspool that has been leaching out into Kaneohe Bay sure. you know, it's all at the same time. Yeah. And, um, so, yeah, there really was no good coverage on it. And, and um, I don't know, for me, it was just an opportunity. I'm, I'm really close with them and... Mm -hmm. and um, felt moved by their story and, and their struggle and, and wanted to kind of, you know, use my creative ability to kind of help them share their story on a, on a broader level. And yeah, I hope, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, like, 
do you think uh, like the social media social media helps a lot with when it comes to activism and also with uh, Kanaka Maoli you know kind of like issues like this yeah definitely I mean I think it you know I think you can really tie the explosion and the wake up of our community to social media mm-hmm. it's it's in a way a grassroots effort of um, organization nowadays right it's it's a way for people to be able to get their story out to a broad number of people very instantly you know and have communities share it and people become aware and it actually i mean it was social media that they posted their arrest to that allowed a hundred people to show up the next morning in the middle of a pandemic at the height of it you know (laughs) so it yeah i think i think social media has become a, a really big and important tool in allowing our voices to be heard and and sort of that level playing field to be achieved in a way and at the same time it's a double-edged sword right because we're also realizing the misinformation that um (laughs) is possible with with social media and that kind of yeah absolutely so i mean to talk about neotero like neotero is an organization um basically to nurture promote you know uh native first first indigenous voices around the world yeah and then kind of you know providing kind of an allyship with with every different tribes and communities all around the world right so yeah. so when they approached you did you already have an idea or did just kind of happenstance yeah. like it just kind of worked out with the, you know what, what was happening with the fukumitsu clan yeah so i mean that's a really good question so um neotero is an, an amazing organization they do so much um you know their main mission is to really help empower um pacific islander and native communities uh, not only in just telling their stories, I think you know the filmmaking and storytelling is one branch of what they do, mm-hmm. but really um, looking at ways to empower um, community organizations um, with resource, with um, support, with relationships, with funding, and those kinds of things to help build capacity within um, their own communities. And so my sort of relationship with Neotero started um in 2020 i was um i applied to and was chosen to be a fourth world media fellow it's their um i think it was maybe their fifth or sixth year that they they were doing it but um every year they have a a film cohort Mm -hmm. that they um accept applications for and, and choose i think there was maybe five or six of us filmmakers and they basically support you for an entire year um, to forward a project that you're working on by, um, well, really the way that the Fourth World Media program was supposed to work is that they pay for us to go to three different film festivals throughout right. the year to, you know, network, to watch films, mm-hmm. to connect, and um, and basically be able to pitch our projects mm-hmm. by the end of it. So we started off meeting at Big Sky Documentary Film Festival in Montana mm-hmm. in February, of 2020 and right before <laughs> just, the, uh, yeah exactly yeah, yeah. right before the pandemic yeah, and yeah, it yeah. just yeah it's it was unfortunate that our cohort you know we were supposed to go to seattle international film festival yeah. in may and then camden yeah, international yeah. in, yeah, in yeah, august yeah. but then um both of those became just virtual, virtual events yeah. and so you know it, it was really a but it was still a really awesome opportunity to connect with other like-minded indigenous mm-hmm. filmmakers from around the world and um and and through that program kind of connect with industry leaders as well mm-hmm. um and in the middle of that uh Neotero had kind of created this reciprocity project idea 
in collaboration with um, Upstander Project. Right. And uh, yeah, they reached out to me uh, to see if I would be interested to be one of the, the filmmakers. Great. As part of the project. And and like I said, I had already been kind of documenting the yeah. Fukumitsu thing. And so it just became a yeah, nice Yeah, because bit. of Hawaiian Soul. Exactly. Right? You, you, yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Um, so you're, you're pretty much, in, you know, be, you know, getting to know them, getting to know the situation and, and whatnot. But can you talk so for when you were on this in this program the fourth world program were, were you um pitching a project uh, aside from this or i i was um okay. at the time uh it was a feature-length documentary idea that i had going called um bury me green mm-hmm. which sort of explored the um the environmental implications of our kind of death care industry oh, and, wow. and, and the way that we sort of yeah um really overlook the both the environmental and social effects of like putting metal caskets in the ground right. and using cremation yeah, and yeah, using yeah, fuels yeah. and things and and wanting to explore sort of alternatives from rooted in indigenous perspective right mm-hmm. in like relationship with the land um and so that's sort of something that i was really it was just an idea at the time and was sort of exploring through the fellowship and um since then i kind of put it on the back burner burner to kind of um do a couple of other projects this this um pili Kamo'o project being one of them and um and then other short films that i was helping to produce but yeah that, w- that was kind of the project i was working on at the time and what got yeah. you you know like, interested, uh, interested in that, that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah it was uh it started off with uh a really good friend of mine her name is courtney gusick she's also a native hawaiian here she has a super interesting story uh she was working in Silicon Valley as a user test engineer for mm. for a while, and then when her dad passed away several years ago, um, you know his one request before he passed away was that he just wanted to be buried, you know, simply um, in a wooden casket that mm. would kind of degrade and return to the earth, and so the family, you know, thought, okay, yeah, this was easy enough, and so it started this exploration for them to try and find and fulfill his request, and you know they ended up basically struggling to like find a means to 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 do that and and like realize that there were really little to no offerings um that aligned with his request and so they ended up just building their own casket out of norfolk pine and doing it that way but uh it made her realize this huge gap um in both in the market the death care Mm -hmm. market and also um the consciousness of of most individuals um, when it comes to caring for our loved ones after they pass away. And so it prompted her to move back home and, and start a business um, called Pahiki Caskets, where um, wow. basically her whole business model is reclaiming wood that comes from this place that yeah. would have either been, you know, thrown away or chipped up sure. and um, crafting beautiful caskets. wooden caskets yeah. out of that. And, 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 and also with that, not just the, the casket offerings, but really using that platform to educate people um on the implications of this and so you know i just w- when we started talking about it i just like it opened my mind it's something i never had thought about before and Absolutely. um just thought it was so beautiful and so really yeah it, it was from that relationship and that connection that sort of sparked this idea to explore it further are you familiar with the order of the good death no so this is like a so uh this is kind of like a celebrity mortician not a celebrity but she's actually very serious her uh, name is caitlin Doty. Yeah, yeah, Do you yeah. know her? I think so, yeah. She's yeah. from Hawaii. Oh, no way. Yeah, so she's from okay. Kaneohe. 
That's right. And then she it's, has this great social media handle, like a good death. That's and, right. That's yeah. right. I think Courtney had mentioned. Yeah, her yeah, yeah, yeah. So she's she's awesome too, and she's very much because like you know when you look at death care and all that stuff, and there's always this macabre. Exactly. It's always like you know, like it's like it's it's actually you know it should be sustainable, it should yeah. be celebration, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know and whatnot, and yeah. So it's an interesting story. I mean, it really, she was she was, I think when she was a kid at Woodward Mall, mm-hmm. and she saw like a jumper. Huh. So she witnessed it, and that kind of changed her life. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. I Woodward into, Mall. Yeah, Woodward Mall. Wow. Yeah, and then she got into kind of death care, basically, and became a champion of. That's of, beautiful. Uh, you know, like, yeah. So you should get in touch yeah. with her. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. 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 No, I mean, I think that would be really, really great. And yeah. I mean, like I had said, the the project I put on the back burner, but um, so, so another project sort of similar to it and related to it is um. A narrative short film that I've been writing and and working on that just got funding from PIC Mm. um, that sort of explores that same topic. It kind of follows this older Hawaiian man that Mm -hmm. um, is sort of at the end of his his life and trying to get his family to accept that and Mm. like go along with embracing it. And um, it's sort of this connection of, of this tree in the forest kind of coming down and eventually being made into his casket by the family. Wow. Um, and yeah, I just wanted it to be, like you said, an exploration and like viewing this transition from this life into the next journey as not necessarily something that has to be so macabre or, or all of that, but something yeah. that can be beautiful and celebrated. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, you're, you're working in doc, documentary, well, actually fiction and nonfiction, yep. right? So, yeah. because, you know, I think, uh, it's a little dated to say narrative and documentary just <laughs> yeah. like documentaries are narratives as well totally right? so, totally um but so like how do you i mean you usually some people some filmmakers just choose a lane in a sense why are you doing both because just because yeah i mean i don't know that's a good question i, I feel like i mean I, I feel like both methods and both processes i guess have yeah. um their their own unique um specialness to it and beauty to it and i feel like you know, different stories, um, re- not require, but different stories are best suited to be told using different formats. And so, right. um, yeah, I don't know for myself, I don't, I don't see a need to really choose right. one way or the other, but, um, really grateful that I get to explore both. Yeah. yeah. And then considering that these two projects have similar themes, right? Right. Right. And, you know, hopefully one can inform the other or, yeah. you know, and, maybe reach more audiences one way or the other right some people may be more into documentaries or more into scripted films and things like that and so yeah however the best way to get our stories out yeah i mean you as a as a filmmaker based in hawaii you know and uh uh you know the fact that you know i mean it is this is not la or new york or atlanta you know like it's like uh and you know it is busy here you know so to speak with many tv series and movies but it's really treated as Hollywood's backlot, yeah, right? So yeah, yeah. how do you, I mean, like, you know, first for, you know, prospective filmmakers or people who want to, you know, you always say, you know, there's the, the brain drain when it comes to, you know, young people or young generation, young generation leaving to yeah. go to the continent. To, yeah. It doesn't have to be film. It could be anything, right? Yeah. Yep. Uh, cost of living and all that stuff. There's like many factors like that. Um, how do you, how do you make it work? I mean, like, do you, are you, yeah. are you rooted here in Hawaii or do you want yeah. to do, yeah. Yeah, I mean, for myself, I I see Hawaii as home. Um, I don't see myself living anywhere else, mm-hmm. wanting to live anywhere else. Um, you know, I went away to film school in California, and, 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 and yeah, yeah, ESC, and 
and got that experience and built a lot of beautiful relationships there. And, you know, I, I don't know, I firmly believe like the, the stories that I'm passionate about wanting to tell is here and is rooted here and that we have so much amazing talent that's still untapped and just really, you know, as you can see from your, I think, I feel like the last maybe four or five years at HIF, like, you know, everything that's coming out of that's made in Hawaii by and for Hawaii has been increasingly setting the bar higher and higher. And, and I think that's only going to continue to um, be the case as, as more of us continue to get into that field and, and collaborate with one another and, and tell stories from this place. Um, and, you know, it, it is, it's tough to make it work here, at, you know, cost of living and all of that. And I feel like for many of us, it, it really um, is a testament to the, the nature of, you know, living with family and, yeah. and being multi-generational okay, yeah. and um, not seeing that necessarily as a deficit, but as something that supports you and yeah. and allows us to continue um, having a firm hold in this place that, that we love and that we care about so much. And um, yeah, for myself, on a, you know, personally, the way I'm, I make it work is, and it, and it's tough a lot of times, but um, I sustain myself doing film work. So I, I have my own production company, yep. Olona Media, mm -hmm. which, you know, I do work for higher stuffs, yep. which ranges from um, documentary work to commercial to music videos and, and things like that. And and so that's sort of how I sustain myself. But, you know, the give the give and take is that um, that's what I'm doing to sustain myself. And so that the double edge is kind of like finding the time and making the time to actually do projects that are my passion projects yeah. like down on the sidewalk and Hawaiian soul right, and, and right, those right, kinds right, of things. Right. Um, and so hopefully, you know, one day that the two, maybe one can subside more and, and the passion projects can be the thing that supports financially and all of that more. But well, yeah, yeah man, we're really excited. You know, I'm always excited to see new work from you. And thank uh, you. Thank you. Yeah. I can't wait to see, and you know, um, what do you have next? You know, yeah. maybe these projects or maybe something else yeah. down the line, but, mm -hmm. uh, Really appreciate what you do here in Hawaii, and also, again, for many years we've shown your films uh, at the at HIF, and uh, we hope to see many more. Yeah, no, thank you guys so much for all you do to support us local filmmakers. You know, like HIF really is our our home festival. You know, it's yeah. it's a place that we can um, celebrate these achievements and and these big undertakings, these projects with um, our friends and family that help put it together that that gave so much heart and soul into making it you know and i and i feel like that's only going to continue to grow so mahalo yeah, I mean, for everything absolutely. you guys do yeah absolutely i mean we have to you know kind of like in the at least in the western world where it's all very individualistic and it's all about community yeah in the end of the day right absolutely i mean yeah. i feel like you know the the made in hawaii shorts program you guys are going to have to start doing like six or seven screenings of it just because <laughs> like each one everybody's you know friends and families together, yeah, are yeah, yeah, here yeah. and want to see it you know absolutely so, man yeah well we look forward to your work and congratulations on uh, Pili, uh, Pili Kamo, Kamo, yeah. right? And yes. like, actually, which is playing online uh, as part of the Pacific Showcase. Yeah. Uh, you know, also, Nia Taro is also one of our partners as well. Yeah. And we're actually hosting a virtual panel with uh, Nia Taro regarding Kin Theory, their um, database that they're developing. Awesome. For, you know, basically a, a database of creatives for native and first indigenous peoples, from uh, creatives from all around the world. So That's awesome. We can't wait for that to launch. Yeah. You know, so. Um, so we're going to be more of that stuff in the panel. Um, so just go to our website at hif.org for all that information. So again, thank you again to Justin Ah Chung, filmmaker, 
behind um, Pili Kamo'o for being on the show. We hope you enjoy the remainder of the film festival, and we encourage others listening to this to the same, do the same, to do the same. Sorry, whether in person or streaming online. Uh, thanks for listening, um, and a special shout out to After Bruce for their support. You can learn more about them at visitingafterbruce.com. Also, shout out to the to the Box Jelly in Honolulu for providing us with the space to record, uh, and also shout out to. Lee Ngo, who's been uh, producing the, these podcasts with me. So my name is Anderson, Anderson Lay, for all out, out there listening to this. On behalf of Hef, aloha and mahalo. Mahalo. <laughs>